Well, as Pastor Deb said, we missed you last week. Um, I want to I want to fill you in on what happened. We've been meeting in Sellers. This church has been in Sellers Elementary School for get this, twenty years. And uh, and I was asking Pastor Tom and Pastor Deb because they've been here for a good portion of that. Do they recall a time where this has ever happened? Where service uh, has been canceled or the facilities not been available and and they said no it's never happened before and we've had it happen twice now in the same year so so we're like well okay lord you're up to something uh we we worked diligently to try and find an alternate location but just given the short notice we we found out midday on on friday that there would be no water in this building and so we just it's a health hazard uh, the school district wouldn't even let us into the facility uh and so we, we tried to find an alternate, but with a short notice, it wasn't possible. So I hope and I pray that you got good time with your family, or if you were able to go and worship uh, with, with the extended church family, with our extended church family somewhere else. Megan and I got to go uh, visit with some friends of ours who pastor in Pomona and, and, and fellowship with another congregation, which was great. Um, but it's good to see you again. It kind of, like, like, like Deb said, it throws off your week. I was like, this is just, I haven't seen some of you for two weeks, and that's just not cool with me. Um, so welcome. We're, we're really glad uh, that you're here. Hey, I want to mention coming up in two weeks, so two weeks from last night, actually, something really important that's coming up that I want to encourage you to be a part of. Uh, we're having a Managing Conflict in the Home seminar right here at Sellers Elementary School. And you see, see that they're not getting along. Can you tell? Does it ever look like that in your house? Maybe, maybe between a spouse or maybe with your kids or maybe just with yourself. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, maybe, maybe sometimes, right? Uh, we have uh, Steve Sewell, who is one of our Foursquare chaplain endorsers. He also works uh, with nonprofits and churches and in the corporate environment, providing training in, in all kinds of relational areas. He does grief training. Uh, he does change management training, and, and one of his specialties is conflict, uh, conflict management. Sometimes we use the word conflict resolution, um, but do you know that you don't have it in your own cap capacity to resolve conflict? Only God can do that. And, and we just need tools to be able to adapt, and we'll talk more about that even in the midst of this series. Well, Steve's going to be out here in California. He's coming out from Missouri, uh, and a few months ago, we got to connect. Uh, Pastor Megan and I got to go to his uh, co uh, conflict management training uh, at our convention in Nashville, and, and uh, we were having lunch uh, one of the, the days afterwards, and I said, Steve, when you're out in California, can you please bring this not just to our church, but to our community? Everybody experiences conflict. Everybody experiences, experiences conflict. And I've got to tell you, I don't know of anyone who enjoys it. And there's some weirdos out there who are like, oh, I don't mind a good... But, but the reality is that we're not designed to enjoy conflict. And so what we have to do then is figure out what we're going to do. And, and what happens so often is we just avoid that's what we, we just avoid people, we avoid circumstances, we avoid conversations because they're hard, they're difficult, and I just don't want to go there. What we need is the right tools. And so Steve's going to come, uh, the, the session, the seminar goes from 5 to 8.30, it includes dinner, it's $15 per person. And here's what I, I want to encourage you to do, you to do two things, I'm getting ahead of myself, my words are, um, first of all, sign up. 
Would you please make it a priority to be there? Don't, don't think, well, I, I got that figured out. I got that sorted. No, would you come and be a part of this? I know that you will be blessed by it. I'm confident that you will be blessed. Uh, and then the second thing is, would you invite someone to come with you? The people around you, here's what I know, the people around you in your community, uh, on the sports team, the families that are in the sports teams that your kids play on, the, 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 the people on your street, the people in your workplace are dealing with conflict in their lives and they are in crisis. They don't know what to do. I was talking to, Pastor, uh, to, to Principal Bishop here at Sellers and he was telling me about the behavior problems he has to deal with and he made this statement to me. He said, Barry, the increase... In, in problems I'm dealing with as a principal, I know are a direct result of what's happening in the home. And so we've invited him to, to invite his team and any families that he wants to invite. But would you come and be a part of this? So it's two weeks from last night. Uh, you need to sign up online uh, or you can stop by the hub after service and sign up for that. So sign up, be there, be a part of it, and then invite someone to come uh, and it'll be a powerful time together. Uh, and then one last thing. Um, today, uh, we have a group of people who are leaving for Israel. If you remember, it was a while back. We said, hey, we're going to Israel. We want you to go. Well, there is nine of us from Thrive Church. That uh, There's seven of us getting on a plane tonight and two who are getting on a plane in the morning, bright and early. And we are going to sit on a plane for many, many hours and at some point tomorrow and the day after, we will land in the Holy Land. Um, it's, we are going on a tour, but it's so much more. Uh, it's a powerful, powerful place where God, if you've been there, you know this. God meets you in the Holy Land. I got to go two years ago, and I had always thought, like, well, what's the big deal? What's the big, I can read about the Bible, and I read about Israel in a book until I got there, and then I just cried for 14 days as the Lord just wrecked me everywhere we went. And so I've asked uh, Jim Lynch to come. And if you're going uh, as a part of this group to Israel, would you just stand? We're kind of all scattered around. I get, and I've got to tell you right now, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. You guys are here. You're here. That means you're packed and you're ready to go. Uh, way to go. Uh, Pastor Megan, of course, is back with our kids, but uh, she gets to go. That's the highlight for me is uh, last time Megan didn't go, and so I get to go with my honey this time, uh, which is really exciting. Um, but Jim, would you pray for us as we, as we venture out? Sure. Thank you, Pastor. Man, I'm a little bit jealous I'm not going with these folks <laughs> as I look at them. Um, do me a favor, everyone. Um, the right hand's a and a blessing. If you're near anybody that's standing, could you just, and if you're, and I know Megan's going too, and she's over in the classrooms right now, you can just extend this way. Let's pray over these folks. Father God, first of all, we praise and we thank you for just allowing this to happen. We thank you for the provision to be able to free up finances and relatives to watch over homes and children and all the different things that needed to take place to make this happen. We know it's because of you and we praise you and thank you for that. We thank you, Father. We, we just play, pray blessing over each and every couple that's standing, each and every person that's standing, Father. Um, we speak safety over them as they're going to your holy land, Father, that everything from their transportation to the airport, to their flight, to their experience over there and back, Father. We just 
we pray protection over each and every one of them and thank you that they experience everything that you have for them while they're over there. We thank you, Father, that as they're on holy ground, Father, that their lives will be transformed forever, mm-hmm. that you will do things that they're not even expecting to happen right now, Father, that you will not only bind them as a group, make them stronger, Father, but you will make the pages of your holy word come alive, yes, Father. Lord. We praise you and thank you that they get to experience that, and when they come back to this church In just a few days, Father, we will be able to hear the Thrive stories of your goodness and the miracles and the provision and things that are supernaturally being put in place, even as we speak right now, Father God, that they will be able to come back and share with us, Father. We praise you and thank you for them. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. 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 Thank you. Well, as we turn to the Word this morning, uh, there in the seatback pocket in front of you, there's uh, instructions on how to download our app. We have a Thrive Church app. Um, there's more information about all of the events coming up and activities, but there's also a place for you to uh, check out the sermon notes for this morning's message. Uh, and, and, and the reason I want to direct you there this morning is there's a lot of passages. I'm going to be referring to a lot of Scripture um, and so I'd love if you want to follow along or, or have a reference for that, or if you're just a traditional note taker, go for it. You're going to be writing a lot. Uh, we'll have all of the verses up on the screen. And as Bob mentioned, we are starting a brand new series today called Connected, a series on relationships. And Siri just popped up on my iPad. Hi, Siri. No, I really don't want to talk to you right now. All right. Uh, a, you know, on relationships. <laughs> We're going to spend the next few weeks talking about the way that our lives are connected. Have you noticed that your life is affected by the lives of other people? Has anyone ever noticed that before? <laughs> okay. Um, hi, good morning. Welcome to Thrive Church. Um, Have you ever noticed by show of hands that your life is affected by the lives of other people? All right. You should all be raising your hand because it is a reality of living in this world. Unless you are stranded on an island with no one else around, right, your life is going to be impacted by other people. You see, we're not independent. We think we are, and we value that in our culture. I'm just an independent person. No, you're not. You were con- completely interdependent. You're not just dependent. You're interdependent. You're connected to other people. And, and listen to me. This is a good thing. It's a good thing. At least it's supposed to be. Right? See, life... And relationships get messy. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. It gets messy. And it's amazing, and it doesn't take a lot for it to get messy. You ever notice that? It doesn't take a lot for you to get set off on a path where things kind of unravel. It, it, well, let me illustrate it this way. So, so we have these circles. There's lots of circles. Okay. I want to I give a shout out, by the way. Jason and Rosie, you guys, they, they put this backdrop together, and it's, yeah, wow. 
So, so here's a little, a little plug. If you're interested in like stage design and that kind of thing, would you talk to them? Because they'd love, they'd love for you to be a part of a team with them that does this stuff. It's, uh, I know you, there's you, you creatives out there. So you can see all of these overlapping circles. So if you'd imagine with me for a minute that this is you, this yellow circle, oh, that's bright. Um, this yellow hula hoop right here, that's you. And, and you get up one morning... And, and as you're getting out of bed and walking past the dresser, your little baby toe doesn't clear the corner, and you stub that toe. You been there? Yeah, that got more response than anything I've said this morning. And your whole body feels the pain. Your whole body feels the pain, and immediately your day is ruined. You get dressed, you get ready for the day, you go into the kitchen, and your kid asks you a question they should have asked you the night before about something that's due that morning, right? And what do you do while your toe is throbbing? Man, you, you just, yeah, you should have talked to me last night, and you're just, now you're specially fired up. Then you get in your car and get on the freeway. And the other guy or gal who kicked their toe cuts you off. And so by the time you get to work, you're so fired up and you're so steamed and you're so stressed and you're so just over it. And you walk into work and there's that coworker that doesn't even do anything like negative or mean or they just, they just say something that you just take the wrong way and you snap at them. And there's that sense of like, what did I do? Well, here's the reality. Our lives are connected. And so often, what happens in one arena and other relationships of our lives will spill over into other relationships. And then that go, keep, it just keeps going, and there's this ripple effect. And if we would stop for a second, as Pete Scazzaro says in, in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he says, if we would turn to wonder and say, hmm, I wonder what happened this morning that set them off. I wonder what happened. But so often we don't do that and we get triggered, we get fired up, and then there's just this cascade. And by the end of the day, there's some per human soul serving something from behind a counter that gets yelled at because some other person over here stubbed their toe. Now, that's, a, that's an extreme example, but I don't think it's that extreme. Now, the great thing is, well, let, let me say this as well, by the way. So, so this is you, but maybe this is your spouse or your kid, and you snap at them while they go off to school or, or, or to their job. And, and the same thing just radiates out from there. And we have all of these relationships now that are just struggling and people that are upset and arguments that are happening. Have you ever been in a place where you're having an argument with something, someone and, and something comes out of your mouth and, and as the words are forming, you're like, don't say it. You're speaking out of your emotion. You're speaking out of your frustration. Don't say it, but blah, and it comes out. And the night is ruined, and there's tension. Hey, we, we laugh because we all deal with it. By the way, we're having a managing conflict in the home seminar. No, I'm just kidding. 
Now, here's the great thing. It's not just the negative things. The, the, the opposite works as well. The world calls it pay it forward, like it was their idea. <laughs> God calls it loving people. Here at Thrive, we, we, one of our values is grace extended. We extend grace to people. Why? Because I don't know what's going on in your life. And if I come at a, from a place of love and grace, and, I, and, I, I, and, I, and rather than jumping to a conclusion, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to in church. I don't talk to that person anymore. Why? Because they, they looked at me weird one day, or they said something. What did you ask them what was going on? No, they just, no, go, go talk to them. Because they probably stubbed their toe. And it sounds silly, but I, I think there's even sillier things that lead to the breakdown. And so we can actually, in this connectivity, bring encouragement where, wow, I'm having a hard day, but you know what? I'm going to reach out and I'm going to encourage everyone I come in contact with. When I go to Starbucks in the morning and, and I, my barista serves me that coffee, I'm going to share some kind words some encouraging words. How about this? Some prophetic words. And I'm not talking about saying to your barista, thus saith the Lord. It won't go over well. But you know that as believers, your speech, your speech is prophetic and you can speak life into things you don't even realize is going on. And so that same cascade effect can ripple through their lives and through their relationships. The key is knowing how to respond that way instead of the cascade of just decay that takes place. Our lives are connected. In fact, my first point this morning is this. You are created for relationship. You are created for relationship. From the beginning, God has built into us a capacity to be in relationship with each other. And it starts with our relationship with God. We're created with a capacity to be in relationship with God. And because we can be in relationship with God, we can be in relationship with each other. And so this morning, what I want to do is set up the next few weeks of this series and I might talk about some things this morning that you go, oh, I knew that. Well, then let this serve as a reminder. But my hope and my prayer is that as we cover some really foundational, basic elements of who God is and, and how we're connected to Him, that there would be some aha moments by the Spirit that would just stir up in you and go, oh, I need that. So as Bob even alluded to earlier, would you open your heart to receive, not from Barry, but from the Lord this morning? It's important for us to remember that God is relational. That God is connected. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's not only connected, He's perfectly connected. He lives in perfect unity. You see, we have the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That God had three in one, three distinct personalities, three distinct functions, yet perfect unity, so much so that Deuteronomy says, and God says to the Israelites, the, the Lord your God, 
I am one. I am one. I live in a, in, in, in a place of perfect unity within the Trinity. They're in perfect relationship with each other. And this perfect relationship is marked by something called humble service. That the Father, the Son, and the Spirit humbly serve each other in the dynamic within the Trinity. That they are all fully God. That the Father is fully God, the Spirit is fully God, Jesus is fully God. And, and, and the capacities that each one have, they all have, but they have distinct functions. And what they do is that they serve each other within those functions. And they model for us what perfect unity and humble service looks like. That's important for us to establish because of what we read next. In Genesis 1, 26 through 27 told you, going all the way back to the beginning. It says in verse 26, then God said, let us, say let us. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created, created them. See, we are made in the image of God, and, and the, the, the Latin word there is imago Dei, the term we use, imago Dei, we are made in the image of God, and you might be thinking right now, I don't feel like I'm made in the image of God, and there's a reason for that, we'll get to that in just a minute. That we were created, Adam and Eve were created in the image of God. Well, you might ask, well, does that mean like, you know, big, big beard, white beard, and long hair? No, that, no, not the cartoon version of God, not a, not a picture of God, but, but the image of God, the likeness of God, the, the, the capacity, the, the, the personality, the place that God has for relationship. That he's built us with that likeness, the ability to love, the ability to extend compassion and justice, the ability to, to be in relationship with each other. That's what the likeness of God is. Now listen, Imago Dei is a big concept. It's huge. And we could spend a year's worth of Sundays talking about, about the Trinity and about Imago Dei alone. And so my, my goal is not to give... This is a disservice this morning by, by kind of rushing through it. But, but what I'm wanting to do is establish some basic foundational things for us as we move into this larger conversation. We see there in Genesis 1, God says, let us. So obviously God is more than one. In fact, when Jesus is baptized by John in the, in the Jordan River, we see the Trinity present as the Father speaks. Jesus is being baptized and the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of of the dove. And so throughout scripture, this is reinforced for us. So our likeness is in reference to our capacity to be in relationship with God, to be in relationship with each other. Our likeness to God is reflected in our ability to be in relationship. Now, there's other aspects and there's other facets, but these are the keys. And as Pastor Deb said earlier, and as we say here at Thrive Church, at least I say it, I hope you believe it, it's all about relationship. 
It's all about relationship. Because what we will take to heaven is our soul and our relationships, our connections. Nothing else makes it. Nothing else goes. That's what we will have in heaven. And so we better give those things priority. See, because we were made in his image, we can be in relationship. Listen to what these verses say. Romans 12, 4 through 5, which you've already heard this morning. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Can we read that last part? And each member belongs to all the others. Does that not just fly in the face of our culture? I am my own person. No, you're not. You belong to each other. Can I t- this is a game changer. This should turn everything on its head for us. See, because what we do is we bring the cultural expectation, the cultural norms into the church. I'm independent. I have my personal relationship with Jesus. And yes, you do. But I think we put too much emphasis on my personal relationship. God says, no, you're a community. You're connected. And you don't belong to yourself and you don't belong just to Jesus. You actually belong to each other. And we can only belong to each other if we were created for relationship. Colossians 3.15, Paul writes, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. I like that. And be thankful. What hurts when relationships go sideways for you? Your heart. You can think about, oh, I wonder what went wrong. But where you feel it physically is in your chest. It's that pressure when, when, when you're not getting along with someone. Where does stress present itself for us? It's, it's right here in our heart. And so Paul says, listen, let Jesus rule over your heart and bring peace. Because in the midst of being connected to each other, that's the part you're going to struggle with. And I'm calling you then as members of one body to be at peace with each other, to be in perfect, humble service to one another. Jesus says in John 17, 3, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. This is eternal life, that they know you. See, you cannot have relationship with something that is not created in the same likeness. Let me illustrate it this way. This is Bailey. She's our dog, and she's cute, and Grace takes great pictures of her. Um, and she's, she's a sweetie. She's deaf, so she, like... The 4th of July doesn't bother her with the fireworks. She like, doesn't care. You can walk into the house and she, just, she won't know until she feels a vibration. And she's just, she's a sweet dog. And we love her. But, but I'll tell you, and, and, and if you know me, I'm not a huge pet person. Um, in fact, uh, there was during the summer when our, my family was off at camp, I was home alone with Bailey. And, um, 
and, and she, we don't hang out a lot. She hangs out with the kids, and she follows Megan everywhere. Um, and I was sitting in the living room, and she came trotting into the living room, stopped, saw me, turned around, and just walked right back out. I'm like, wow, I guess I deserve that. But I tell you what, when I walk to the cupboard where her food is, she dances circles around my feet, just all the way to the bowl. Can I tell you, I'm not in relationship with Bailey. Now, now I know if you're a pet person, you're an animal lover, you're like, I have a relationship with my dog. And in and, and a way, you do, but it's kind of a one-way relationship. Because that dog will love the next person that feeds them just as much. Right? And, I, and hear my heart. I know that, like, you have a bond with your dog, and dogs are smart, and they remember. But dogs are not created in the image of God. They're not created in the image or the likeness. Okay, for you that don't like cats. Cats, well, cats are created in the image of, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go there. So, so I share this. We love Bailey and she loves us. But at the end of the day, I do not relate to Bailey the way that I relate to my daughter. Because she does not have the capacity to be in, the rela- in a relationship with me the way that my daughter has a capacity. And we have that capacity for one reason only, because we are made in the likeness of God. And so we cannot be in relationship with something that is not made in our likeness. God made us to be in relationship with him and with each other. Genesis 2.18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, we use this passage most often in reference, referencing marriage. But the meaning here is so much broader than a husband and a wife. What, what he's really saying here, it's not good for mankind. That, that our desire to be in relationship is something that needs to be satisfied. That we come alongside of each other and, 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 and we're not just a support or a helper because, hey, when I, I need something, we're a help to each other just in life, in general. When we're, our lives are connected to each other in healthy ways, we are a support to each other. So when one person is struggling, the others around them can, can, can hold them up. The Bible says, you know, pity the man who has no one around him to help him when he falls. We are designed for relationship. So he made Adam and Eve. And he gave them dominion over the earth. And they were in perfect relationship with God and each other. And there was no shame. There was no shame. I think one of the biggest indicators of broken relationship is the presence of shame. There's other things, but I think shame rears its head, shows up in places where it's not welcome. I tell you what, if you've ever been, and maybe you're walking through this right now where you're in a, 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 friend, a, a friend group or maybe in your family where there's a couple of people not getting along and you go to a family gathering, how that feels to be in that kind of environment or, or where people take sides against you, I, it just feels gross because it is. 
because it is so contrary to the heart of God. You see, God made this perfect world with people who echoed and, and reflected His glory and His image and His capacity for relationship. But there is a problem. My second point is this. Relationship became disrupted. And this is the part where you go, well, I know about this. I know what happened. I read the story in Sunday school. Right? There's, a, there's, there's Satan and there's an apple and it's funny, by the way, you see on all of the books and stuff, the kids' books, they, like, they show Satan wrapped around the tree with the apple, but he was, that wasn't his form. That came later. That was a part of the judgment against him. It says this in Genesis 3, 18, uh, 3, 8 through 13. Then man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden. This is after the fall, after they've given in to eating the fruit and walking in disobedience. And the Lord God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to, to man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he, and he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it and then the Lord God said to the woman what is this you have done and the woman said the serpent deceived me and I ate it and in that moment brokenness and shame we, we emphasize the sin ah oh, there was sin no no there's something deeper broken relationship. Something entered in through their disobedience that marred the image that they bore, that image of God. And immediately when they say yes to the fruit and they believe the lie, brokenness and disruption to relationship enters the world. First with God. God comes to speak to them. Where are you? I want to hang out with you. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. We're hiding. We're hiding. Why? Why? Why are you hiding? Because we were shamed. Because we're naked, and and, and shame comes and, and and shows up, not for the last time. Who told you? And the shame and blame game starts happening and starts unfolding. What happened? Oh, they did it. It was his fault. It was her fault. Oh, he made me do it. It was Satan that made me do it. And it goes on and on and on. Can I tell you this morning that every struggle that we face relationally in our lives is some version of what happened in the garden being played out over and over again. And the reason I know this is that Satan is not a creative being. He lacks creativity. He only knows how to steal, kill, and destroy. That's it. He has no other capacity. He has no other ability. That's all he knows to do. And so he just keeps doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. What does he say to Eve? Did God really say? And he calls into question the truth that God speaks. 
What does he do to us? Did God really say? Does God really care? Is God really going to show up? You know what? If that person really was a Christian, they would treat you better. And he puts words into our ears to cause us to go, you know what? That's right. All it is is some cheap copy of what happened in the Garden of Eden. Over and over Again, Peter writes this in 1 Peter 5.8. Be alert and, sober mind, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to nibble on. <laughs> to devour. I grew up in Africa. I've been on safari. I've watched lions and cheetahs and leopards hunting. And they are looking for the weak. And listen to me, church, they are looking for the ones that are separated from the herd. Because that becomes the optimal target. When Peter says the enemy is like a a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, you know he's looking for? He's looking for the Christians. By the way, he's not interested in devouring those who don't know Jesus. I mean, he wants to keep them in their place, but he wants to ruin us. He wants to keep separating us from the Lord, to keep doing the same dumb thing over and over and over. He's looking for the person who is isolated relationally from other people. Well, pastor, I don't, I don't, I can listen to podcasts and watch church online and, and, and I can develop my personal relationship with Jesus. And in that moment of pride, what we do is we distance ourselves from the relationships that we so desperately need. And the enemy goes, ha I see you. We were designed to be in relationship with each other. There is safety in the midst of community. There is safety when we are connected to each other. My final point this morning, though, is a relationship restored. Wouldn't it be horrible if we ended there? If that was the end of the story, and can I tell you, for a long time, that was the end of the story. But Jesus. But Jesus. Uh, Maybe you didn't hear me. I said, but Jesus. Jesus comes into the world. Colossians 1, 19 through 22. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Listen, all the fullness. What? Everything that God is dwelt in Jesus as he came. And through him, listen to this, to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth, things in heaven, by, or, or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Amen. Come on, somebody. This is what Jesus did. You see, if the story had ended with with Satan's deception, what a bummer. 
But God had a plan and he said, I'm not okay with the way that this is. And so he sends Jesus. And Jesus comes willingly as a human being in flesh. He takes on flesh to come and rescue those who God had designed to be in relationship with him. And what does he do? He reconciles to himself all things. That doesn't mean just you and him. That means you in your relationships are reconciled to God. The community of believers is reconciled to God. And he brings peace. Peace where there was enmity, where there was where there was a division, a dividing wall, Jesus brings that peace. Paul writes also in Ephesians 2, 14 through 22, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. Listen to this. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away. That's us, by the way. We're far away from Jesus from when he was, like in a few days, some of us will walk in the place where Jesus walked, but he's not there anymore. So we're far removed, but he preached to us as well as him preaching to those who were there immediately in front of him, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit, and consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. We are the temple of God. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I read that whole big passage because you can't say it better than that. You just can't. This is what God has done. He's reconciled. There were, because we were separated, that second group was those who did not know God. And were in hostility and he restores them back to the Father. That was his purpose. That's why Jesus came. His goal was reconciliation. His goal was Reconciliation. His goal was not that you could live your best life now. I'm I'm nitpicking a little bit. His goal was that you wouldn't just be able to coast through life or that you would have everything that you need because you don't know what you need. Because it's all about relationship and we're so focused on stuff. And how many times does relationship get broken because of stuff? Jesus like, I didn't die for that. I died so that you would be reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. The reconciliation of God and man and, and man with man was Jesus' purpose in coming. Jesus prays this prayer in John 17, 20 through 23. And as, we, as I read this, we're going to move to a time of communion. 
My prayer is not for them alone, Jesus prays. I pray also for all those who will believe in me through their message. So again, Jesus prayed for you. That's you. He didn't just pray for the disciples. He prays for everyone who would believe through the message that is preached. And we are directly tied to that prayer. Jesus prayed for you. And here's here's the thing. He's God. So he knew he was praying for you. He was aware of the fact that he was, your name and your face were present when he praised this prayer. Come on, let that sink in for a minute. This is not something that's just obtuse and, and, and kind of nebulous. Jesus prayed for you. And, and, and his prayer is this, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that you, so they may be brought to complete, say it with me, unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So let's go all the way back to Genesis. What does Jesus' pray say? Uh, pray, prayer say? What he's saying is this. God, we're going to go back to the beginning. And God, what's going to be evident now, what's been missing for all of these millennia, what's going to be present back in their lives now is what was present with Adam and Eve in the garden. The capacity to be in relationship with God and for us to reflect the glory of God through our lives because of the work that Jesus did on our behalf. Can I tell you, this is the most foundational part of what we believe. There is nothing more important than this to us in our faith. And he does it willingly. That he goes to the cross willingly. That God came in flesh willingly. That Jesus suffered willingly. Why? So that you could be reconciled to God and to each other. This is it. This is the gospel. This is Christianity. This is at the core of who we are. And informs all of that. How we are connected to each other and how we function in that really depends on what we do with what I just read. That when Jesus says, I pray that they will be in unity, it's not wishful thinking, church. It's not a nice sentiment. Oh, it'd be, it's not like a Hallmark card. I just pray that you're all one and in unity. <laughs> what he is doing as he prays this out loud, he is making a declaration in the heavenly realm saying, they're mine, hands off. They belong to me. I am doing the work once and for all that makes a way for us to be reconciled. Why is that important for us as we talk about relationships? Because every issue you face in in relating to other people has its roots in this. Because the enemy is trying to tell you that this isn't valid and this doesn't work. But if we remember that Jesus himself prayed for us and has given us the capacity and the authority and the ability to fight for relationship and to contend for it and to press into it the way that he did, that's a game changer. 
I venture to guess that our counselors would have nothing to do. Come on, somebody. That's like... But we lose sight of who we belong to, whose image that we're made in. I invite the ushers to come. And we're going to close with communion. The bread and the cup for us represent the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. When I talk about the bread for a minute, the bread doesn't just rep- represent the, the broken body of Jesus. It represents the present body of Jesus. With, without Jesus coming to earth, without him showing up, there is no bread. There is no celebration of, of the, the, the bread that was, thank you, that we hold in our hands today. I invite the ushers to go ahead and start passing the trays. Yes, his body was broken, but his body could only be beaten and broken because it was here. Church, the God of heaven was not okay to not be in relationship with us. And so he made the effort. He took on flesh. He became like the creation, like us. And the only reason he could do that is because we were made in his image. Think about this for a second. If God had not made us in his image, he would not have been able to take on flesh because we would not be able to relate to something that is not made in the same image. Does that that make sense? And because Jesus came the way he did, in the form that he did, people were drawn to him. He wasn't like an alien from outer space. There's no Area 51 thing going on, right? They were drawn to him because he embodied what they needed. That his flesh, his very flesh, reflected what was missing in their lives and in ours. Wholeness. Unity. Think about this, Peter. I mean, Paul talks about the body that we're part of one, mem- one member, if, if a part of your body is separated from your body, just like even that toe, right? You stub that toe, your whole body feels it. We were not designed to be separated. Our members were not designed to be separated from each other. So Jesus comes in a form that is whole to reflect to us God's desire. And it just keeps, there, there's so much depth. But the thing I want you to to do is you hold that bread in your hand this morning. Would you take a second? Would you thank Jesus for what he's done for you? That he came as tangibly as the bread that you're holding in your hand. That he came to earth as a man. To reconcile, to heal, to make whole those things that were broken. Would you pray uh, for just a minute? Would you thank him for what he's done? Let's receive together.
And as we turn to the cup, Jesus goes to the cross and his body is, is marred. It said that you can recognize him. Go ahead and, and pass the trays. You can recognize him. He was, he was so broken and so beaten. But in accordance with prophecy that his bones were not broken, which was commonplace and custom in crucifixion, they would break the legs of the person being crucified to confirm that they were indeed dead. The prophecy, Isaiah says that his, his bones would not be broken. And they, in fulfillment of that prophecy, Satan thought he had won. In that moment when Jesus dies and that body is broken, there was, there was a celebration taking place and not on the good side, thinking they had won. But we know this three days later, he rose from the dead. And God who took on flesh, who was broken and beaten and unrecognizable, goes into the grave and emerges whole. Can I tell you right now, there is no circumstance, there is no brokenness, there is no fractured relationship that exists in your life or on this planet that Jesus cannot heal. In those places where you've given up and you thought, you know what, I've just decided I'm, I can't go, I'm, they just do their thing and I'll just do my thing. And Jesus aches over the brokenness that exists in the body because his body proves to us that death no longer has the victory. Satan no longer has the victory. And that the power of the cross and the risen body of Jesus Christ and what we hold in right here in our hands is the seal. The shed blood of Jesus that forgives us of our sins, that makes us righteous and restores to us the image of the Father. And then it is placed on our seal, as a seal on our lives to say, you know what? You belong to God. And gives us the capacity then to walk in forgiveness and wholeness and restoration with each other. Can I tell you when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. Church, what if we started turning towards reconciliation and wholeness and ministering to each other and encouraging each other? What if the church would be known to be Jesus' disciples because of our love? Not just for each other, it starts here, but what, what happens here extends beyond this place and into the world. And he gives us this perfect place where we can learn to do it right. Let's stand together. Jesus, we thank you for your blood and for your body, your body broken for us, your blood shed for us, to secure for us, which we could not secure for ourselves, reconciliation. Thank you, Jesus, that by your blood we are reconciled to the Father, that our sins are atoned for. God, is we, that we stand righteous before you. And thank you, God, that the, 
the body and the, and the bread and the cup remind us of the power of God at work in us. Not just so that we can be restored to you, Father, and reconciled to you, but that we would be reconciled one to another. God, I, I speak against every work of the enemy to bring division to your body, that those lies will no longer find a home. That those things that he would entice us with would lose their savor and their appeal. And that we would see them for what they are. Thank you, Jesus, for the cup, the seal of that promise of the new covenant between you and us. We receive this morning with grateful and thankful hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I love you. The Father loves you. Let's be committed to loving each other well as we go.